Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 98 of Real Blend, a podcast that's so happy that every single Star Wars fan loves the rise of Skywalker and no one will ever, ever fight about it ever, ever again. Amen. The end. Or we're going to spend an entire episode debating it. Uh, This week, we have no guest. And we're skipping news because uh, we're recording this a week early so that we can get away for the holidays. And really, we need most of this show in order to talk about J.J. Abrams' latest film, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So let's get right to introductions for the show. And I'm going to start with our resident Star Wars fanatic, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jakey. How are you? Uh, apparently a lot better than you are. Well, no, that's not true. I'm I'm doing just fine. I'm I'm okay with uh, where I'm at in the fandom, and we'll see where everybody else falls as the episode plays out. Jake is going to have support this week from uh, his best friend, my best friend, your best friend, Real Blunders, Kevin McCarthy of Fox Five and Washington. Wait, wait, when, when, wait, when the fuck did that happen? <laughs> what? He's everyone's when, best friend. When did he become everyone's best friend? When, when, it's when, Kevin. when, when did we have that election? Kevin, are you not everyone's best friend? I am everyone's best friend, but considering we are best friends, Sean, uh, I was thinking yes. about when you come to visit for the Real Blend meetup in D.C., um, when oh, we're not doing... That, when that we're might not, not do- be happening anymore after this episode. Yeah, but when we're not actually doing the meetup and the and the live show, I thought maybe you and I could go see Rise of Skywalker maybe three or four times back to back. Are you down for that? That's, uh, that's probably not going to happen. I'm going to get tickets. No. <laughs> Michelle, already, Michelle already confirmed it. We already texted. We're good to go. And we're going to go to three, three, Kevin, three showings back to back. <laughs> Kevin made me laugh so hard. And it's a joke that I still laugh at. I'm going to share with everybody a little behind the scenes of the day of the Tarantino interview. Uh, Kevin and I were coming in from Newark Airport and Jake landed much earlier than the rest of us. And so he was by himself at the hotel for a little while. And nothing is worse than Jake by himself because he's always texting us like, when's everyone getting here? Where is everybody? What's going on? I'm here by myself. He'll text us this gif of Milhouse from The Simpsons throwing a frisbee <laughs> back and forth to himself, which is a very it's funny gif <laughs> that gets a lot of play in our text chain. And Kevin texts him and says, yo, we're going to catch the Irishman before we meet up with you. We'll be there in three and a half well, The thing hours. is, is it like, it's not, the, the thing that bothered me most about it that was worked. it like an insult because... Like, if you'd been like, we're going to see Endgame, I would have gotten that joke because I don't like Endgame, so I wouldn't want to see it. I would have gone to see Irishman with you guys. So it wasn't even like we're going to see a movie you don't like. It was right. worse because it was we're going to see a movie you do like and you're not invited. Yeah, really and, and you'll hear all about joke. the stresses we had um, that day uh, in the episode that is already online at this point, the Quentin Tarantino interview. Yes. Hopefully you have listened to it uh, one or two times and send us feedback. All the different ways that you can send us feedback. Obviously, you can go to the Real Blend Twitter account uh, at Real Blend. You can send us an email, realblend at cinemablend.com. You can hit us up on our personal Twitter accounts as well, too. Also, we have the Facebook community page, which a lot of people have been joining and participating in. And on that Facebook community page, you guys can get details uh, for the Real Blend DC meetup where we have now confirmed we're going to be recording episode number 100 in front of an audience at the AMC Georgetown 14. This is on Saturday, January 4th. And I don't think I'm not quite sure if we have any seats left for this, to be honest with you. Gabe, put a cap on the thing at 70. Yeah, my mom maybe? might not even 70. have a seat. Yeah. You listen. Your, Dude, your mom, mom would have a seat, seat before I would. Honestly, have a seat. Yes. knowing Gabe, Gabe's gonna be because Gabe is so set in his ways about things that are already set up. My mom's gonna get there and Gabe's gonna be like, "I'm sorry, Mrs. McCarthy, you gotta wait outside." That that that, that I can see wait, Gabe I have a question actually for saying can that. Gabe, wrap us during the live show. 
Uh, he's going to try. That's for sure. <laughs> Good luck with to. that. Yes, he's going to have to try. Wait, can um, we, so can we, can right we to... mention that we have a different producer working with us today? <laughs> and her name is Ooh, Hannah. Yeah, sure. Producer and Hannah. And I want to say thank you to Hannah because one, she's sick and she's still producing these shows. I mean, in Gabe's defense, Gabe uh, had some other work to do that was obviously something he had to do for Cinema Blend and AMC. So we uh, are thankful to Hannah uh, for helping us record these. And uh, Hannah has not wrapped us yet. And this has been no. relaxing. Well, she turned her camera off. I can't see. Even <laughs> she might be wrapping us, but I can't see her. She could be asleep. Just asleep. Just dozed off in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm moving on. This week in movies. Um, we're going to blow through a couple of titles. I know a few of them you guys have seen, and then we're saving it for the big one, uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I'll start with, you, you know the bit here, movies that, that are coming into theaters that we haven't seen. Spies in Disguise, the animated Spies in Disguise. Anything. I have not seen Nothing. that one. All right, Will Smith, Tom Holland. That's a big cast. A big I know. Cast. I, I, in in, my, in yeah. our defense, we it was it was happening right around the same time Star Wars and Richard Jewell were junketing in L.A. Yes. So just it, just the timing for me wouldn't have worked out. And then I just haven't had time to see a press screening of it yet. It's funny we do it. We do a yeah, bit. Yeah, and they we, did. Yeah, they they didn't do the junket. So you know, I feel like if they didn't care about the movie, why should I? Here's what you guys did say. Uh, just Mercy, the Jamie Fox. Michael B. Jordan, Brie Larson, uh, legal thriller. This one has eluded me. It was at Toronto. I didn't catch up with it when it was there. Um, I find it somewhat interesting that I think Warner Brothers has it in this December slot to have it compete for awards, but I don't know if it's getting much traction just yet. You guys were able to see it because you did the junket. Um, where do you fall on it? Should we go see it? Do you think it'll be an awards contender? Um, I don't know if it's going to be a awards contender. I, I, honestly, it didn't pop up on my awards radar until Jamie Foxx got a SAG nomination, which SAG nominations always kind of make me go, hmm, maybe. Yeah. Um, he's very good in it. It's a good movie. You know, I don't really have a lot of massive complaints about it. Um, if someone told me they wanted to go see it, I wouldn't necessarily try to talk them out of it. Okay. Um, that being said, I do feel like we've seen similar stories to this before. Unfortunately, unfortunately, mm. you know, my God, in this world, we have seen stories like this before, which we shouldn't. This, like, this should be an well, anomaly. What is it? it? Be what is it? Thing. It's based on a true story, but I don't know. It the is plot. based on a true story about a uh, a young attorney who goes down to Alabama to uh, essentially help black men who are on death row uh, wrongfully, who essentially have been arrested. Uh, this is, takes place in the late '80s because they are black, and it's a story that I hate that I have seen before. Um, but unfortunately, I feel like we have. And uh, it, it's an it's a it's a very good movie. The performances were strong. It's uh, clocks in at two twenty. I think I never felt like I was bored. Um, uh, but when it was done, I sort of felt like okay, that was very well done. I have a question about it that I don't think is a spoiler. Um, is it is it primarily the case of Jamie Foxx's character, or do you get to see him try a bunch of cases? Multiple cases. I mean, oh, Jamie okay. Fox uh, tends to be, I think, probably. The, the the primary one, if only because that particular character is played by Jamie Foxx, therefore you yeah. tend to probably pay a little bit more attention to him. But there are other cases that I think uh, are are equally fascinating. Kevin, would you agree with that? Yeah, there's a case that I found interesting. I believe Rob Morgan is the actor who plays yes. Uh, uh, yes. him. And it, uh, I want to say the uh, gentleman's name was Herbert, I believe. Uh, and because when Michael B. Jordan essentially going to the plot line when when Michael B Jordan before he be, passes his bar he goes to death row and actually 
uh, meets a guy who's his age, someone that reminds him of, of a friend of his that went to the same churches and things like that. And he couldn't believe that a younger guy his age was on death row for something he did or did not do. He wasn't 100% sure. So it, it awoken this spark inside Michael's character, Brian Stevenson, who he also got to speak to, who's amazing. And Michael and Brian Stevenson went down to this area where he felt that people were either wrongfully on death row or did not deserve to be there. And it's a powerful story because it's this young kid who kind of throws himself into a world or an area where he knows that people aren't going to treat him right. The, 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 is it a county? I believe he goes, it's Mon, it's Monroe, Alabama, I believe if I'm not mistaken. Um, and when he goes down there, he's in, he's immediately, uh, uh, like tortured by the people in the area in the sense of like, just like they're, they're threatening him. He gets pulled over by the police, essentially telling him to go home. You, you, you're, you're kind of treading on ground you shouldn't be messing with. And Johnny, Johnny D, the character that uh, Jamie Foxx plays, it's, a, it's clearly a case where the guy didn't do it. And the, these factors that are coming in from the background of the people who live in the area that don't want this case re-dug back up are what keeps Michael B. Jordan's kind of character dramatically involved in the sense of we're on a ticking clock. We're trying to make sure he gets this case tried before he himself gets hurt or someone in his family gets hurt. And I think that element works. In the story, this director who's doing, uh, I think he's doing the next MCU film for Shang-Chi. Obviously, he did Short Term 12. He did films like The Glass House. Incredible filmmaker. Uh, I didn't know this story. And it was one of those movies where once it ended, I genuinely wanted to get up and do something. Um, and what scared me the most about the Just Mercy story, I, I really, really loved this film. And I think a lot of it had to do with this idea that it kind of scared me, but also it was very life affirming in the sense that Jamie Foxx's character was lucky to be in a position where Brian Stevenson, this amazing civil rights defense attorney, came in and was able to help him. What scared me about the story was, what if you don't have a Brian Stevenson? And there's a lot of people who don't have the Brian Stevenson. So I found myself really, whether you know the ending or not, it's a a truly gripping film. And I want to mention one more thing, and then I'll toss it to Jake, and I know we'll move on to Star Wars. But Michael B. Jordan is one of my favorite actors working today. I think the roles he's choosing have been so important, and everything he does while entertaining comes from a place where I feel like he's trying to help and, and create change. Even someone like a Killmonger, while it's in while it's in a superhero movie, it's a layered character who comes from a background that created who he is, right? And that, to me, is what's so incredible about some of the characters in Just Mercy. There's one guy in Just Mercy who actually did commit a murder, and he's on death row, but for the wrong reasons. Um, and he, was a, he was a character who was in war and had PTSD and did something terrible, but he belonged in a hospital and not on death row. So this movie kind of really mm-hmm. factors into the layers. It digs into who people are, flawed or not, innocent or not, and kind of how we get to where we are in our lives. And I think that Michael B. Jordan, I want to mention Fruitvale Station. If you've never seen Fruitvale Station to our uh, listeners out there, it's honestly one of the most powerful films I've seen in my life. And that type of movie is what Michael B. Jordan is working on in these films. And I think that's what makes it so great. So one thing I do want to say is there is a title card at the end of the film that reveals a a statistic that honestly scared the hell out of me. It's that for every nine people who are executed on death row, one person is proven to be innocent. Like, like for every nine, one is proven. And that's just, that's just proven to be innocent and taken off death row. That's just proven. Imagine if, you went to the airport and they said that there was a, a one in 10 chance 
that your plane's going to crash. Yeah, like, wow. You, you would knock it on a plane. Yeah. So to see that movie and then to be told that one in nine, or just, once again, just proven. That doesn't mean, yeah. like, I mean, there are very, very likely instances that there are innocent people that are put to death. I mean, that's it's a very haunting, haunting film. Yeah. I hate that I, that I feel like I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah I, feel I loved I it. I recommend okay. it. It's a great movie. Yeah, agree. We gushed at length about 1917, Sam Mendes' film uh, from World War One when we had him on the show. Humble brag, mic drop. Uh, so go back and listen to that episode if you want some real in-depth conversation about the episode I love uh, about the movie coming out. It's going to be in theaters now. More people will be able to see it. I loved it. I'm fairly certain Jake loved it. Kevin, I know you don't love it as much as we do, but do you at least recommend seeing it in the theater? Oh, 100%. And, and, and Jake and I had okay. a great discussion, and, and I know people are tuning into our podcast because they want to hear our Rise of Skywalker reviews. We're going to get to that. But the 19, We're getting there. 1917 is something I do want to bring up because Jake and I had a great conversation the other day when we were in L.A. for Star Wars. We have gotten to a point in our culture where if you don't absolutely love something, you automatically hate it. And so, for example, you could give a movie a four out of five and say, yeah, it was good. That means you hate the movie. That's where we are now (laughs) in this world. I mean, Jake agrees with me. I believe we have gotten to that point where you cannot only like something. You have to love it or you have to hate it. Uh, 1917 to me, and I. I'm only bringing up Dunkirk because everyone keeps asking me which one I liked better. I don't know why. They're two completely different movies. Uh, Considering they're war films, yes. Uh, I find that this film is... it, It takes its hand and it walks the audience through it. And I don't think it challenges the audience. I I admire what Roger Deakins did. I think it's gorgeously filmed. I think it's masterfully edited. I think the performances are strong. I just felt that the movie at times, while I wouldn't call it a gimmick, there were times where I felt the one shot thing became more important than the storytelling that where I felt like they were focused on that more than they were with the story and the characters. That being said, it's an extremely intense ride and I understand why everyone's praising it. I'm in the minority. I highly still do recommend seeing it in a theater because it is an incredible experience, but I just don't understand the absolute love for the movie. I'm at a four out of five. I thought it was fine, but I, I thought it was good, but I genuinely, and I'll tell you right now, I saw it two weeks ago. I have forgotten all about it. And so I don't know what that means, what it says about me. But for example, I saw Dunkirk seven times in 70 millimeter IMAX and I felt more emotion in Dunkirk. But see, here's the here's I know Jake makes a face. Here's the interesting thing about Dunkirk versus 1917. Dunkirk is a movie that requires and challenges the audience to follow along and be in the moment with the film. I think 1917 walks you through like like a kid, in my opinion. But that's just me. That's fair. Yeah, that's me. You also can't stop watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you stopped watching that over and over again, you might be able to see some more movies again. I, I rewatched <laughs> Hollywood for the eighth time the other day, by the way. My eighth viewing on the way to uh, L.A. But, but Jake, I know you love 1917. Sean, I know one, you love One of these too. days I'm going to ask you to do something and you're not going to have time. And I'm going to remember these conversations when eight we're like, times. dude, eight, eight times. Yeah, yeah, but if I'm on a plane so, and I have time to kill, I, 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 putting on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just makes me happy. It just makes me happy. All right. I want to jump ahead to a movie that you guys weighed in on earlier, but I didn't get to see until later. So I'm catching up with you guys now. Uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. 
What a spectacular film. <laughs> yeah. That's opening in theaters now. And We've seen I a lot of movies this week. This is actually we, impressive. We have. We're doing good yes, this week. Yes, the segment's working. I'm going to pat myself on the, the back. It's finally working. Um, what an incredible film. Yeah. I, I cannot believe. I, I, what I have to point out is that this is her second film as yeah. a director. And to me, it has so much confidence um, to the point where it takes the the, the narrative track of Little Women, the adaptation, and, and completely not turns it on its head, but plays around with it in a time frame where it lost me a little bit as I was tracking it. And she uses certain devices like Saoirse Ronan's hair uh, or the costuming that the people are wearing yeah. to show where the characters are at different stages in the in the large story that's being told. But just the uh, audacity to to tell the story that way was yeah. thrilling. And then casting, I mean, she. The, uh, someone said this a while ago, you win most of your movies like in the casting department. If you can get the right people for the right roles, you're 90% of the way there. You just sit back and sort of let them do it. This cast is incredible. I mean, everyone is so perfectly cast in the parts that they have to play that they make it look effortless. Yeah. And I'll stand out as one of those people, which is probably hypocritical when I'm, I'm always like the next Marvel movie. But when I heard like another adaptation of Little Women was coming around, especially when Greta Gerwig went from Lady Bird to they said, oh, she's going to do Little Women with Saoirse Ronan. And I was like, really? Yeah. Like you just wrote this really great coming of age story that was very autobiographical in Lady Bird. I was like, do you have to do Little Women? Haven't we seen Little Women before? And then I watched her tell it and I was like, well, that was fantastic. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you're reminded every once in a while you get these period dramas and when they're done right. You're like, oh, that's right. Totally raises the bar on that genre. And uh, I, I cannot recommend that movie highly. I know we're sending you to a lot of films nowadays, but that one, make time. Go out of your way to see Little Women. It it, it was wonderful. It, it is really good. And I, I wanted to mention real quick that Jake and I saw it together. And we actually simultaneously had a had a feeling about the movie that was never vocally said to each other until later on um, when we left the film. And you mentioned the nonlinear aspect of it. Um, this is my this was my first experience ever with Little Women. So I never read the book. I never saw the '90s movie. Uh, this was new to me. And my wife, who who's a huge fan of Little Women with Winona Ryder, uh, she saw Little Women, the new one, and said, "Hey, Kevin, this is nonlinear. You might want to know the story going in because it does jump." And I said, "You know, I'm I, I kind of want to go watch Greta Gerwig's movie." And experience it for the first time the way she's telling me because I never saw I yeah. never sought it out prior and now that this Little Women movie is out and I love Greta Gerwig she shot thirty five millimeter I'm a huge fan of what she's doing with her cinematography in the movie but at one point in the film you know Sean mentions the the, the going back and forth and the nonlinear aspect they use the hair and they use certain aspects to tell you if we're if we're at seven years or we're earlier right. So at one point, there's something Timothy Chalamet does that Jake and I both latched onto for some reason, and it re it reignited the moment where you have to immerse yourself because a movie can lose you, right? And if and I don't know that Greta did this on purpose, but there was a moment where you actually had to actively say to yourself, "Where am I?" And it was like one of those yeah. like weird, but it was like perfect. It, it didn't distract me. It didn't take me out of the movie. It kept me on my toes. So I could follow the story properly. I think Jake and I, when we left the theater, I don't know if you remember this, Jake, but we 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 kind of had this. Moment. No, it was we got we got lost at the same moment, right? And then we got found and then again. Got back into it at the yeah. But it was yeah. I almost because we were talking about nonlinear, and I was like, and I think I said like, yeah, the only part it lost me was you know part X, and you said that's yeah. exactly where it lost me. Yeah, I, I and I still find it really truly fascinating that Greta Gerwig and her partner Noah Baumbach both made extremely important films that deal heavily with marriage. And Little Women is yeah. so, it's so much about 
women being independent and not having to rely on a man uh, in regards to have wealth and, you know, and and families. Women should be able to do what they want to do, which is the point of the movie, which is obviously the right answer. And 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 Joe's character, uh, Saoirse Ronan's character, all she wants to do is live an independent life and not have to rely on a marriage in order to be successful. And I think that then when you look at Marriage Story, which is about a marriage unraveling, that's when it gets a little bit fascinating. So we have to wrap on that. But that so I, I love Little Women. I, I recommend it. I adore um, Marriage Story. And I adore Little Women. Me too. And on Friday. So now we're at the stage of the year where um, my top 10 is done. So now I'm just pulling award screeners out and showing yeah. them to Michelle so she can catch up on movies that she hasn't seen. So on Friday, we tried to do Marriage Story. She goes, oh, Marriage Story is on Netflix. I really want to watch it. And for anyone who's not married to um, an elementary school teacher, Fridays <laughs> are the worst possible days to try to sit down and watch anything. So uh, we put it on and about 20, 25 minutes into it, I look over and she's out cold. She's <laughs> up on the couch. So I flip over to the Hornets game and I watch the rest of the NBA game. And uh, when I'm finally time for me to go to sleep, I turn the TV off. I wake her up and she goes, oh, I, I fell asleep. And I said, yeah, no, I know. I noticed that you fell asleep. <laughs> and her review was, it, it's just so much talking. <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. It's a lot of talking, but they're I, saying really important yeah. things. I do want to wrong. No, she's I, not wrong. <laughs> I want to live in a world. And I know this is, this is never going to happen, but there's a great speech that Laura, uh, Laura Dern gives in the movie. That is absolutely phenomenal. I think Joe from little women searches Ronan's character would love to hear that speech. And I know, I mean, they're two that's different funny. movies, two different time frames, but I just feel like Joe and Laura Dern's character. And that's why I think it's interesting that both Greta and Noah, and I asked Greta this at the junket. I know I we got to I feel like Joe would say, this lawyer looks just like my mom. Right, right, yeah. But at the <laughs> junket, so, that is really funny. Laura Dern is in both. But at the junket, I, I mentioned this to Greta Gerberg. I said, when you and Noah are at home and you're making two films that heavily deal with marriage, do you, do you, Get do you talk to each other about where you're going to go with your stories? And she goes, no, we just geek out about about shots. Like, I'm, and then I started envisioning them at home, like showing each other their movies when they got home from the day, or like showing the coverage. And I'm like, that's such a cool relationship. And they're both great filmmakers. So if you get a chance, see that's both cool. of those. They both made really important films this year. I think. All right, it it breaks my heart that I have not seen cats have either of you two seen cats you know the, uh, i, I actually one. hate myself for having to say this but uh my wife is going to see uh, rise of skywalker again tomorrow night with my brother-in-law scott and i want to go really bad because i want to see the tenant prologue um and oh yeah but i have to see cats instead because i have to review cats you're missing um, nolan for cats but it's my job i mean i, I can't not see cats <laughs> and I, I and listen it, a part of me is gonna be sitting in that cats theater dead inside knowing that i'm missing tenant that being said though maybe cats will surprise me you never know that's okay. I think everyone sitting around you will also be dead inside because they're watching cats. Guys, guys. Don't, don't forget, we, we live in a world where the cat's Rotten Tomato score could be higher than the Rise of Skywalker tomato guys, score. Guys, I, I have a question before we move on since it is this week. But Cats wasn't yes. finished until the other day. Did you see this story? So That's insane. Like hours yes. before Tom they showed it. Hooper went to the premiere yeah. of Cats on the day he finished Cats. And That's the movie insane. opens Thursday. I'm, I just don't. How do they? How can you do that? How can you? But I don't. Well, I guess it's digital. You can just send the file out, right? You just. I, it's not like uh, like they have to print real. Do you? Right? Would it have made a bigger splash at the Golden Globes? I mean, I'm assuming that means that they had to see an unfinished product, which is probably why it only got nominated for. Dude, music. I heard. Well, we heard this from colleagues at the Star Wars world premiere that the junket screening. 
they showed for Cat. This is very inside baseball. People might not care. But the junket screening that was shown to journalists, which normally take place a week or two before the movie opens, was shown with unfinished footage, like green screens and unfinished makeup. And the that, journalists who attended the junket had to see that. And in Universal's defense, that that's happened before with movies. It just has, uh, for me, sure. what makes me nervous about that statement is how close it was to release. Because this was this was last yes. week, so it's like that. That's what blows my mind. I'll, I'll never forget this though. And, and I, um, I went to see Tron Legacy, and Joseph Kaczynski, who just by the way just released this amazing Top Gun trailer. If you guys haven't seen, it, I know this is coming out a week after Top Gun's Looks trailer so came out, good. but it's really good. Um, but Kaczynski showed up to the Tron Legacy junket screening and said, "I just finished the movie a few hours ago." Like literally, that's he insane. had the hard drive. They gave it to the guy at the El Capitan. He introduced the movie, and that was when we saw it. It was insane. I don't remember that. Yeah, I remember it like All it was right. yesterday. We're we're moving on. I'm going to tell one other quick Michelle story that, that terrifies me. It's a lot of Michelle stories this week. I normally don't do this. I'm really sorry, but uh, she mentioned Cats the other day because I I told her I hadn't yet seen it, and then I sang Memory just just because or Memories, whatever it is. I just sang it in the kitchen, right? Like it just came to mind. It's that ADD brain of mine. And then I was like, oh, great. Now this can be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. So she goes, oh, I'll help you. And she says, Alexa, play blah, 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 Jellicle Cats, do something or other. And I was like, what are you talking? And it was like, Alexa comes on. I was like, all right, now playing so-and-so from the cat soundtrack. And Michelle started singing the entire song. Like, she just knows this song. She's like, this is oh. actually a good song from the cat soundtrack. So she's all and in. And she's like dancing and singing it. She's all in. But but it's one of those things where like, I've been married to her for 20 years. I've known her for 25. Have never known <laughs> that she knows any songs from cats whatsoever. So I'm a little bit terrified. Okay. Now, the reason why you guys are all tuning in to this week's episode and... Savvy blenders uh, who follow all three of us on Twitter already know that there's a divide in the blender family over the final Star Wars film, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And it's it's usually fun on this show when two of us feel one way and one of us feels another um, because it leads to some spirited debate. And I assume that that's going to happen this time through. Um, I will tell you, it's. Pr- I think it's been a while since I've been the lone voice of dissent, and it's not fun. It's just not fun. Oh, <laughs> I know. It is not fun. Yeah, it is not. Jake did it recently with Endgame. Uh, Kevin, I can't remember the last time that you were the lone voice of dissent, but it's it's this time it's me coming around uh, as as being the one who did not necessarily enjoy Rise of Skywalker. So I would like to open the floor to both of you. And I want to start with Jake because Star Wars is his thing. Right. And going into it, I think Kevin would even agree with this perspective. Going to the premiere, the three of us got to go. The four, Gabe came with us too. The four of us got to go to the world premiere. Which, by the and way, the we all we all flew incredible. and traveled ourselves there. I, I want to mention that yeah. because we went to the premiere, but we all went out on our own yeah. for this. Um, so yes, any, any for sure. that's because there's so much talk online about reviewers and going to premieres and how whether or not like I, I can speak for myself, I can speak for Jake. When it comes to a movie I watch, I don't care where I am. Who I'm interviewing, my thoughts are always going to be my thoughts. I so, was at the last Jedi yeah. premiere, and you didn't like it. And well, we've always well, been that's, ethical that's with our thing. reviews. For all the people that like are calling me a shill, online oh no, and I know. saying that I was paid by Disney. My first thought is like, well, if I'm paid by Disney for liking Rise of Skywalker, then I must owe them a lot of money for The Lion King yeah. and Last Jedi and Endgame. Well, because I did not like those. That's the point I wanted to make, though, is that people are being are being criticized for liking this movie. And this is just kind of the world we live in now. By people who haven't seen the movie. Right. And it's like, oh, you went to the premiere. That means you must have liked. Like, no, 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 no. I've been, I went to the solo premiere. I did not like that movie. I mean, there's a lot of 
that's the thing here. So I wanted to put that out there that we all went out on our own for this. And this is this is these yeah, reviews sure. are, are our own. And since this is running, I'm going to remind you guys, this will be airing the week after the movie is opened. So we're open this opening this conversation to spoilers. But what I want to say first and foremost, so if you haven't at, at this point, by the time you're listening to this episode, be downloaded. Uh, if you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, you might want to get out of this conversation because we're going to speak Hannah. pretty openly about it. Oh, Hannah hasn't seen it. <laughs> she <laughs> no, said she's already terrible. spoiled. Well, and that's another thing. And we can get into this on another show. <laughs> I I am yeah. actually genuinely sick to my stomach the world we live in now in regards to spoiler uh, territory. Um, I This happened on Force Awakens. I posted my review the day, the day the embargo lifted. Someone in another country had seen the film and people were sending in snapshots on, uh, out of there my control. There were already images. There were already images uh, of from, Han's death um, from Force Awakens. No, but I'm saying of Rise of Skywalker. Where, when we're recording this, yeah, they're already out there. That's the point There's I'm making. Out there? I, I can't yeah. believe... The last shot. Our producer uh, right now, Hannah, our producer, Hannah, who's producing the show right now, has not seen Skywalker. We are recording this episode right, you're hearing right now on the Wednesday of the release of Skywalker. And she already knows every detail of every spoiler. And, and whatever that, she doesn't know, we're about to ruin it for and her. We're that about is, to ruin it for That her. is sad. Like, I, I had to tell yeah. someone at my job today, make sure you see it Thursday night because you're going to be screwed. Like, like, why right. why are people actively love ruining stuff for people? I just don't get it. Yeah. Anyways. So, but speaking about ruining things, I, I was I wanted to make sure more than anything else going to the premiere that the experience was not ruined uh, for Jake because I knew it was really important for like we we've had this conversation all year like leading into Endgame that was so important to me as a Marvel fan. I know that Jake wanted this movie. To be to, to to be what he wanted it to be, essentially, he had he had standards or expectations, uh, and and it it makes me really happy to be able to report on his behalf <laughs> that that they were met. So, Jake, why don't you take the lead and tell us uh, how Rise of Skywalker worked for you and 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 why? I mean, a big part of what I'm assuming most people have heard at this point is that this movie is tied in a negative way to the Last Jedi in the sense that. Really, how much you like Rise of Jedi, I would or I'm Rise of Skywalker, sort of depends on your thoughts on The Last Jedi. I did not like Last Jedi. I felt like Last Jedi uh, made me feel guilty for being yep. a Star Wars fan. Agreed. I felt like Last Jedi sort of made me feel like, hey, you that all you still like all that old stuff? Yep. Like, no, mm-hmm. take all your old toys and go to your backyard and bury it and grow the hell up. Like, move on. And it felt like it was ashamed to be a Star Wars movie. And I felt like like the what one of the reasons. And here's the deal: a lot of people feel like the concept of nostalgia and 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 holding on to old things is a bad thing. And if you feel that way, I get it. That's fine. But this is the last. Like I'm excited to one day get a new trilogy with new characters in a new part of a galaxy far, far away. But this is the last time that we're getting a Skywalker movie. So sue me if I want to see Palpatine. Sue yeah. me. If I want to see Lando, sue me if I want to see Luke and Leia. It's the last chance we're ever going to see, we're ever going to get to see these characters. So like, I want to see them. I have no problem buying into nostalgia. And I felt like one of the big reasons that I loved The Rise of Skywalker is that it said, hey, it's okay that you still like that stuff. In fact, for one, for the very last time, here you go. Yeah. Here, Here it is. Like, here's the last, here's all that stuff you love. For the very last time, and I hope you enjoy it. 
Like, mm-hmm. I loved the nostalgia. I loved the tapping into the old stuff. I loved that, honestly, I loved that it addressed a lot of the problems that I had with Last Jedi. And I get that that's subjective. And I'm sorry for people that liked Last Jedi and, and that this pisses them off. But, like, for me, it worked. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was beautifully filmed. I thought it was wonderfully directed. It is the most Star Wars. I mean, for and honestly, it, and it's crazy to say this about a two and a two two hour twenty minute movie. I wouldn't have minded another thirty minutes just to let it slow down a little bit, Same. just to let it yeah. breathe. It if needed you, that. like it, it, I could have used a three hour like, and honestly, the last movie it could have been three hours. I don't think anyone would have been mad about it. I mean, it is a lot. Um, but and 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 there are moments that really hit the heart. There is one moment. I mean, are we doing, we can do spoilers? We're doing spoilers, can, yeah. I mean, we've warned people that we're going to talk in detail. This feel, is the week it, after feel, it opens. It, it feels unnatural saying this. Hand up, plug your true. ears. Three, <laughs> two, one. Han. Yeah. Saying, hey, kid. Like, and, and speaking to Adam Driver, not, not as Kylo Ren, but as, as Ben Solo. I mean, that just killed me. And instantly, in a testament to Adam Driver's performance, who I think gave the best performance of all the new, of this new trilogy, he instantly in that moment turns from Kylo Ren to Ben Solo. Like, I felt like I was no longer seeing Kylo Ren. I was seeing Ben Solo, really, for the first time. Um, I, I love this movie. I thought it paid tribute to both the new characters and the old. I thought it was a wonderful ending. And honestly, yeah, is it fan service? 100%. But guess what? I'm a fan. And and it gave me the stuff that I wanted, and it didn't make me feel bad about it. And uh, I I I am walking away from this series very happy, glad that there's a three or four year break. Um, but I I'm happy that um that, that, that I mean this did it for me. This honestly th- this is this is my end game. Kevin, you mostly agree, right? Yeah, I mean my experience with this film uh was very similar to Jake's. I mean Jake Jake comes from a, a much bigger Star Wars background than I do. Um, but I'll say this right now. There's not a, there's not a single perfect star Wars movie. Um, and I think, and I, I think Jake would disagree. He probably thinks empire is perfect, but I do think that looking at new hope and empire and return of the Jedi, I rewatched all three of those right before I saw rise of Skywalker. And there were things in those movies that made me cringe dialogue that made me cringe. But at the end of the day, as I watched them, the world building that Lucas brought from A New Hope, the beautiful cinematography in Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, as a 35-year-old grown man, I guess if you want to call me that now, um, has changed for me. Uh, it's actually become one of my favorite Star Wars films on, on, on a rewatch as I get older. I, I think Return of the Jedi is more my speed, which is why I think I love Skywalker. I think Skywalker is really a Return of the Jedi type of film for me. Um, and I felt like... With, with these movies, let's think about what the grand scope of the original trilogy is. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to simplify this in a, in a negative way. We open the movie. Our characters are in, a, are in an issue. And at the end of the movie, everyone's happy. That's generally how New Hope started, Return of the Jedi. Empire was a little bit different because it ended on that cliffhanger. and It was a bit more of a darker film. At the end of the day, Skywalker... Well, no one really knew New Hope was going to lead to more stories, right? Like, right. New Hope was just a movie. But, but new, If it didn't take off, we wouldn't have any more. True, but new, so. but new Hope is simply 
you know, the, you know, you have the, you know, the, you have that amazing battle at the end. The Death Star is destroyed, and everyone's happy. And Han has a great arc in that movie, and so does everyone. Does I mean those movies are extremely well done, and they're fun two and a half hour films that just kind of make you happy and make you feel action, make you feel drama, and there's just great performances from everybody in those movies. I love the original trilogy. This movie that JJ just made, much like The Force Awakens reminded me of the way I felt as I watched that trilogy. When I watched, when I sat in a theater on the other night and watched Rise of Skywalker, I still found flaws. I think there's some terrible script issues. I think some of the things they did in regards to the story were overly convoluted. But at the end of the day, the film opens with a problem and ends with a solution. And it reminded me literally of how I felt as I've watched all those Star Wars films. And There are moments in this movie, I guess if we are into spoiler territory that I want to break down that I just think are so brilliant. There's a moment where, as Jake was referring to with Kylo obviously becoming Ben, if you look at this trilogy, this new trilogy, he's always been conflicted. Kylo has always been conflicted. If you look at Last Jedi, he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't kill uh, Leia. He actually hesitates on that. Even killing his father, you could tell there was hesitation and then he kind of obviously turned to the dark side in that moment. It's almost like Walter White and Heisenberg, right? When when Walter White is watching um, uh, Aaron Paul's girlfriend choke uh, in season two, he goes from Walter White to Heisenberg in a facial expression. That's kind of how I felt about what Driver was doing here, where he was going back and forth with that conflict of Kylo and Ben. And there's a moment, we all know John Williams' amazing score and themes for these films. I love Ray's theme. I love Kylo's theme, where... As the movie is coming to a close and Kylo's arc is really kind of going back into more Ben and he's going back over to the light side where John Williams takes that evil, that evil Kylo theme and starts making it hopeful. And it was like this beautiful transition of like dark music into light, the literal themes of what Star Wars is about. And I think that there's so many things like that in this film I love the Han moment. I also thought it was great that Lando finally said Han because he's been saying Han for so long. I don't know if that was a course correct or something that I don't know if JJ. I think Billy D. Williams was saying. Yeah, Han. but the it, entire movie is a course correct. Kevin. But okay, the entire movie exists as a course. So there's correct. a lot of for things. Everything that's ever been done in Star Wars ever. Well, there's a lot of things we got to th- you got to factor in here. Um, Jake is 100 percent right. Generally, people who did not like Last Jedi are liking this film, from what I can gather. And people who loved Last Jedi are hating this film. And I think there's something to be said because J.J. essentially had to fix what Ryan Johnson did to Star Wars. Ryan Johnson didn't make a Star Wars movie. Ryan Johnson made a movie that knew it was a Star Wars film and literally bullied fans, in my personal opinion. I think that there's something to be said about The Last Jedi when you watch it that movie is 100% aware of the audience's expectations. J.J. Abrams even said it recently in an interview. That movie's about subverting expectations. That's not what... What do you think Rise is? That's, no. Rise is an entire movie made up of fan hope. No, no, no. Rise... The entire movie Rise, is, made, is... There's no filmmaker decision in that I movie. I completely that disagree is not based on what fans think they want to see. J.J. was brought... That entire movie is made up of a wish list of what fans think they want to see. All Last Jedi is, is a movie of saying, screw you fans, you know, you like Star Wars, let me tell you why you're wrong. That's what Last Jedi is. That may is. be true. Both things we are saying are true. I know. So my point is, J.J. clearly had to fix what happened. In, in, no, he didn't. Yes, he he could have made his own film. No, no, no. How can he, he make his, own, made his film? own film? Dude, what he set up in Force Awakens... Let me tell you something right now. This is, this is, this is what bothers me about Last Jedi. 
Force Awakens ends on that phenomenal moment as Ray walks up to to the to the rock to hand late Luke that saber. We wait two years, two years, and Ryan Johnson knows we waited two years, and then they give us the SNL sketch of that moment, which is completely and utterly. We know you hate the lightsaber, but, but, but we know we, we know you hate it. Even, Everyone who listens to the show knows you hate that. It's a ridiculous that that tone, that moment Jake, that ahead. that scene happens ruins the it changes the entire tone of that entire film. And it, it for okay, you, Sean, for Sean, you. Before we get, because I, I do want you to get your, I, I want you to have your chance to to, to give us your thoughts. But I I'm feel curious. so bad. I feel so bad. No, I mean no, but <laughs> I, I want to clarify the word bully. Thoughts, by the way, if you. I didn't mean to say Ryan bullied fans. I meant that he was aware of the fans. That was extreme. So uh, I, I want to re- reverse extreme. that. I, 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 he didn't yeah. bully fans. I feel like he was aware of what fans wanted and said, I'm not giving it to you. That's the, I, I want to clarify that. So continue. Sorry. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just wondering, Sean, if you will take me back to what was it? 1983 when Return of the Jedi came out. Obviously yes. there was no internet. There really was no like, oh my God, crazy instant fandom. Yeah. What was the reaction? What was what was the like? Because I mean, there were Ewoks. It was a lot more of a happier yep. movie coming out of Empire Strikes Back. Couldn't have been what you were expecting. Um, what 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 did people say when Return of the Jedi came out? Um, it, as far as I can remember, and again, I was probably like fourth grade, fifth grade, somewhere around there. Eighty three is that when it was? Is that yeah. when it came out? I was a, I was probably on fourth grade. Okay. I mean, it was, it was wildly embraced. Was <laughs> I mean, it? There was, yeah, there was no divisiveness. I mean, it, it dominated pop culture with, you know, Luke reuniting with his father and the Ewoks at that age were adorable. There was no dissension. Nobody the, the, complained about stuff back okay, then. Let me ask you that. Okay, because I think that's a great point. lost their minds and so, complained about stuff. Do you think that the, the world of the fandom is making it impossible for the Rise of Skywalker to live up to? Because like... The the way people are because right now uh, we're looking at reviews and it's it's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and and there's a Forbes article that's calling it the worst Star Wars of all time. <laughs> that's crazy. And it's just like, I mean, I, I mean, we all kind of universally agree that like at best the like s- some of the prequels are good at best, and like when those movies came out, they were sort of just like okay, they like they're not great, but like you know we'll give it a pass. And with Rise of Skywalker, you would think that J.J. Abrams killed someone's puppy. I mean, people are so angry over this. There's definitely a sense. Yeah, there's definitely a rush to be to be mad. Was that birthed from this crazy divide that came from The Last Jedi? Well, like, but but I I will give my honest reaction. Kevin yeah, wants to read yeah, something, but then I will give my honest because my honest reaction stemmed from sitting in the premiere and watching it unfold. It has nothing to do with Last Jedi, nothing to do with anything. It's how the movie unfolds. But Kevin, go ahead, read what you want to uh, read. No, this is this is to Jake's point. Jake asked uh, just now how the reaction was to Return of the Jedi. So we are uh, we're many many years past Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is one of my favorite Star Wars movies, and it's obviously one of the best of. Probably top three, top four Star Wars movies. This is the review from The Hollywood Reporter um, in 1983 or whatever, whatever article this came from. Unfortunately, it conveys the sense that the machinery has already started to wear down and the inventiveness <laughs> to wear thin. Then it goes on to say there's kind of a desperation about it, a feeling that Lucas and co-writer Lawrence Kasdan are simply trying to figure out what they can do next to amuse the kiddies. This sounds like Skywalker's reviews. All right, hold on. That is actually very interesting. The stuff of legend that inspired and elevated the earlier episodes has here been (laughs) replaced largely by stuff of comic books. It still makes for an eye-filling two hours plus of entertainment, but despite its huge cast 
And it, essentially, literally, that's what people are saying about Skywalker. And I, I and that that to me that's is funny. interesting because, and I and I want Sean to get to his points, but I would argue that the discourse we're seeing right now and the divide we are seeing right now is because of the Last Jedi, and the Last Jedi completely changed what Star Wars movies were going to be. And J.J. Abrams set up something in seven that he wanted to finish. So he basically had to make eight and nine in one movie. And that's why this film is very convoluted. I don't think it's perfect. It has major issues, flaws, uh, script problems, pacing issues. But at the end of the day, most Star Wars films do. New Hope has a lot of problems, but I still love it. And I think at the end of the day, but that fan service, this movie gave me exactly what I wanted. I left the theater really happy, and I felt like JJ really balanced, no pun intended, this 42 <laughs> this 42 year saga and bringing it to an end after a movie that came out that sidetracked everything. So that 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 well, so okay, so yeah. here's what I'm here's what I'm gonna say. Um, I didn't have any expectation for this movie. I went into I went into Rise of Skywalker genuinely curious as to what they were going to do to rebound from from Last Jedi, because now that we've seen the the full picture, the big picture, um, and I made this comment online, and and Jake sort of picked up on it. You have you have three films in a trilogy that all seem to actively dislike each other. Like we've now seen, I don't think I thought the Skywalker Force Awakens was Force a, Awakens. No, no, no. But, but what I'm just gonna say is, I think Force Awakens kicked off the trilogy in a really exciting way, um, and then Last Jedi came out, and and so this is the order that they went. Last Jedi came out and said everything that you liked about that movie, we're gonna get, we're gonna do away with. But now, whether you agree with that decision or not, that's what but happened. That movie shouldn't it's, realize oh, it's a movie. Wait, let me finish. Please right. let me finish. Sorry. But but it did. But it did. It, this is what happened. This is the reality of it. It said raise parents doesn't matter. Uh, Snoke, we're gonna dis- we're gonna do away with him. Um, so then you have a third movie that comes out that says, oh, everything that happened in that second movie, we're gonna do away with it. Remember we told you raise parents aren't important. Yeah. No, they're really important, and she's a Palpatine. <laughs> um, or Kylo Ren, you know, it he's conflicted. He wants to get rid of the Sith and the Jedi. No, no, no. He's going after uh, the Sith. He wants to become the most powerful person in the universe. Uh, First Order has the rebellion on the run. Actually, no, they don't. No, the First Order is not important anymore. Just do away with them. We have Palpatine. Palpatine, because you guys remember Palpatine. Bring him back. Nostalgia. Sean, why are you okay with Ryan Johnson doing this on on Jedi to Force Awakens, but you're not okay with J.J. fixing what Ryan did? Why are you okay with Ryan fixing what J.J. did? Because now that I see all three of them play out, I find it. This is getting to the root of what I have a problem with in this entire trilogy. They had no direction. They had zero direction overhead. There's no big story at play. If and I'm going to make the comparison to Marvel and not just because I'm a Marvel kid, but because I truly believe, Jake, even though you dislike Endgame, I truly believe that Kevin Feige knew how he wanted to end his 23 film arc. And I don't believe that Kathleen Kennedy even knew how a three film arc was going to end, let alone a nine film arc. If there was a single hint, a single hint in Force Awakens that they wanted Palpatine to be the overall big bad, I might have given it more of a pass. But there's no explanation for why he's in this movie at all. None whatsoever. There's no. And and this is what I want to say. This was my point. That is a bigger problem now that I've seen how it all played out. 
again with a quick Endgame comparison. Endgame but, okay, found but a way. No, wait, wait, like, hold on. Let me finish. Okay. Endgame found a way to to conclude a storyline that serviced all of the characters that we basically followed from the beginning, from the launch of Iron Man, Tony Stark's journey, Captain America's journey, Thor's journey. Mm. This new trilogy of films kept, in my opinion, painting itself into a corner by getting rid of Han right away, getting rid of Luke, and then unfortunately having to, you know, they lost Carrie Fisher. Maybe they wanted this to be a Leia story. That's something that happened to them. I get it. So instead, we got to the end of this culmination. By the time Rise of Skywalker was coming to a conclusion, I didn't care whose story was getting concluded. Like, it never really gave me Rey's legitimate story because it has a middle chapter that got rid of the importance of her story and and, it, and a middle chapter that told us that her parents didn't matter. It wanted us to feel redemption for Ben Solo, you know, and Kylo Ren, but Kylo Ren looked like a complete pawn the entire time. First of Snoke, you know, Vader and now was a pawn to believe it's Vader was a pawn to Palpatine in the original trilogy. Yes, exactly. Um, but but I'm saying these characters were not properly these characters to me um, to me were not properly developed, and the legacy characters got shunted away in decisions that remain extremely perplexing to me. So by the time we got to the conclusion of the saga, when you're telling me it's a Skywalker saga conclusion, no one of note that I cared about from any of the original films were there. Sean. So so these other characters like Finn and Poe and these guys who got no development whatsoever. Were, were just side side characters. I didn't care about them like one bit. I had no investment Sean, in what was happening you in the end of Rise Honest question. Sure. And I don't know if this is possible to answer because it's probably not. If this was a direct sequel to Seven, which it basically is, um, how differently would you feel if Johnson's movie didn't exist? Um. Yeah, that's impossible to answer. Uh, like if this if this just came because I mean if if if, 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 if still it, have to address what happened to Luke to to to, to uh, well. You could, you could, uh, if there was a way to do that, do you think this movie would play differently for you if Ryan's film did not exist? No, because there are also like some of the big issues and we haven't even really talked about this too. The pacing is, is crazy frenetic. Yes. Like the damn thing doesn't slow down and it, it keeps chasing after these MacGuffins that to me are ridiculous. Like the, the dagger with the, with the thing that comes out and points at the, the wreckage of this. Like, that's stupid. Like, that's just bad, stupid stuff. And and then the... I'm, the, I'm sorry Ray didn't go back to all, like, past uh, eight different Star Wars movies and, and mess with those timelines <laughs> and pull different stuff out of those yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, but also, I'm sorry that didn't happen. No, no, no. But, but, what uh, about, but I also don't like... There's two very significant points of setting up dramatic stakes only to just negate them five minutes later, which is we're going to wipe three PO's memory. We have to do it in order to get him to translate the Sith. Okay. Uh, there's a good chance. He's not going to come back. So they wipe his memory. Then they get a couple of jokes out of, he doesn't know who they are. And then R2 comes along and just goes Bloop, restored. You're back to normal. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, God. Then there was a time when Chewie dies. Oh my God. I think Chewie died because all of a sudden Ray, who's been in two adventures doesn't realize she can do the lightning like Palpatine, but she's got this thing and she's able to stop that ship, which was a badass scene for a minute until she shocked it and the thing blew up. Sean. Right? But she can't go for in the moment. She's like, oh my God, Chewie died. But she can sense Chewie later. So why couldn't she sense Chewie then? 
Why wasn't she able to be like, oh wait, Chewie's not dead. I can sense him. He's on the other transport. You're giving Ray, like, you're, it, you're giving Ray crap for uh, for the for the lightning and the Palpatine uh, element coming out. What about Carrie Fisher's spacewalk in Last Jedi when she that where did that come oh, from? I'll, I, I, where did I that will come admit from? that's still horrible. Where did that come that's from? Still horrible. But you love Last no, Jedi. No, no, I, I mean, I, I admit that's. But these movies. But no, no, no. I, I like Last Jedi a lot. I still admit that 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 Leia scene's horrible. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's fascinating. Canto bites horrible. Skywalker's interesting because. I I do find it convoluted. I do find it uh, quickly paced. It's a mess. I do wish it breathed more. I do. There and at the end of the day, I don't think it's a masterpiece. I just really enjoyed it. And I think at the end of the day, it's a movie I had fun with, and I can't wait to see it again. Force Awakens. I will watch on a loop. I will watch this movie, like Jake said, again and again. Because to me, why this movie works is because of its two central leads. And at the end of the day, that's all Star Wars really ever focused on. If you look at the original trilogy, the main people, Luke, Leia, Han. Those are your those were your three leads. Those are the ones you cared about. In this trilogy, it's Kylo and Rey. And that chemistry that they have is incredible. And the way that they operated at the end with the Palpatine uh, sequence, that scene was amazing. And I loved watching Kylo battle that conflict and go to the light side. I mean, I, 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 to me, that's why the new trilogy worked, because I really liked Kylo and Rey. I think those two central characters were the people I was focused on primarily, and that worked for me. Jakey? You know, it's it's been really interesting watching people's uh, reaction to Rise of Skywalker, specifically people who did not like the movie. Um, and because I think this is a really interesting comparison piece to when we all reviewed Endgame. Because um, I, you know, I told you guys many, many months ago, I was dreading recording that episode of Endgame. Because whenever I walked out of the theater, I was mad at myself. I was mad at myself. I was I was like upset. I was genuinely sad that I did not like Endgame. There seems to be an anger from people who oh, don't yeah. like Rise of Skywalker. It's, not yeah, you feel like, it. Not like, oh, I'm so sad. Has been not an like, oh, I'm disappointed. It's like they're <laughs> pissed. It's almost as if these Star Wars fans felt like they were owed yes. something. Like it's it's like it's not because I, I look at Endgame and I go like, look, it is what it is, and I appreciate it was for what it and it is my fault that I didn't like it because it's not what I wanted it to be. But what I'm getting from Star Wars fans is like, fuck you. You're not the movie that I wanted it to be. Yep. It's your fault. Why? Like, yep. so that, so I have a right to be angry about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious, Sean, as someone, and I'm not necessarily saying that's you, but that's like the impression that I'm getting from people on Twitter. Yeah. There seems to be more of an anger about people who dislike it as opposed to um, movies I'm with I've Jake. Seen I feel it. I feel mm-hmm. they, there is, there is visceral, visceral hatred coming from this film. And and, and, I, and I've actually, I said this in the air today, I think this is probably going to be one of the most debated films in the history of movies. And I, I and I, I find it, I'm, I'm so with Jake on this. There is such hatred on that, on my timeline right now that I'm just sick of looking at my phone. And, and here's at the, at the end of the day, I, I, I'll talk my review about Last Jedi and give you guys my thoughts on it. But I'm not online telling people that they're idiots or they're wrong or, you know, or coming off as a, do, do I come off hateful when I tell you I don't like Last Jedi? No, I come across, I, 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 at least in my opinion, I come across as somebody who's just telling you his opinion. And I'm not saying you're wrong or right. 
This is a different level of fandom. I have never seen mm. anything like you this. You guys have to remember, I spend I spend a lot of time in the Snyder Cut fandom. <laughs> <laughs> they get pretty angry. No, about this is beyond stuff. that, though. This is like really, really bad. Like I've never seen um, anything like this before. I, I will say I, I haven't encountered that yet per se, uh, but I'm I'm a little bit more empowered, uh, Jake, to speak to your point in that you didn't like Endgame. And you said it right away. Like I talked to you in the car as I was driving home from Atlanta where I saw it. And you were just like, man, it didn't work for me. And so that was as honest a reaction as possible. Then I feel bad because you had to stand there for weeks and watch everybody else roll in and be like, well, that was great. What a way to do it. When I came out and saw you guys at the premiere and Jake, you were so happy and Kevin loved it and everything. And I had to be the one to be like, it didn't work for me. But I'm hearing a lot more people come to my side oh. almost immediately. No, 100. Yeah, 100, I, I feel like I'm in the minority in that it, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. different. That's a different perspective uh, for sure. But yeah. I, I, huh, the all I can is say like, is that like I'm so sad that you don't like it, and 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 not in a like because I want you to agree yeah. with me, but but just because like as friends, like it makes like that movie makes me happy and, and, and you want your friends to be happy too. And like, I'm genuinely sad that like, cause I know it means no, a lot to like, you too. No, no, no. But in a perfect scenario, I would prefer Endgame to work than, than Rise of Skywalker. And, and, uh, and like, the reverse for me. Yeah. And the reverse for you, this right. actually worked out really well for all of us. <laughs> hey, we're high all five. very, very happy. Hey, nice job. And Kevin Way got go, three Hollywood. hours with Quentin Tarantino. The so person, we're all good. The person I feel the most bad for here um, is JJ. Because he was golden child after bringing this franchise back. And Kathy Kennedy called him in on a favor. He actually says this, you know, before we saw it at the Dolby of just like when Kathy Kennedy calls, it's usually something pretty exciting, he said, because she gave him a call and said, hey, I want you to come and finish the trilogy. And probably he had a ton of confidence. And to see this reaction, you know, like we we brought up that Forbes headline earlier as kind of a joke, you know, but for anyone to come out and write come a headline uh, in an, in an outlet, that's a legitimate outlet like Forbes. I, I get that Scott Mendelson, you know, goes a little bit harsh every once in a while. Um, but to see any headline that says the worst Star Wars movie ever made, JJ can't be happy about that. He can't. First of you all, know, it's I a just, ridiculous I feel bad statement for him in that perspective. It's a ridiculous it's, statement. It's silly. And, 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 and it's silly. I listen, I respect anybody out there. You can have any opinion you want. But I, I think it actually may be fact now that Attack of the Clones is one of the worst movies of all time. And to say that that this film is that bad, that is just ridiculous. I mean, Sean, as somebody Attack who— Attack of the Clones is the only Star Wars movie I would say is legitimately bad. It's horrible. I would say, it's absolutely I would say there are 11 Star Wars movies and only one— Now, granted, there are a wide variation of good from, from, from like, okay, that'll do to perfect— Yes, because I think Empire is perfect. Um, but Attack of the Clones is the only one I would put into the bad category. This is okay. So this is a weird analysis. This is my reaction to the Rise of Skywalker. I don't think it's a bad movie, but at the same time, I don't think it's a good movie. Does that and make you sense? Said, and you said you won't watch it again. No. Um, okay. So I'll not not, end not up to say never, again. of course. But, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. In the sense that, like, I, I say, like, I probably and I rewatched Last Jedi for my, for my marathon to get ready for this. Um, but. If you were to tell me I saw like your your future 10 years, Jake, and in nowhere in that 10 years do you watch Last Jedi, I'd go, yeah, I buy it. Because I want to ask you guys, this, give me this answer and then we'll move on from this point because then I want people to give us their feedback. 
there were times I went to go see The Force Awakens in theaters probably three more times because I kept wanting to bring more people back to go see it because there were moments in that movie that I couldn't wait to see again on the big screen. And to me, Rise of Skywalker doesn't have any of those heroic moments. I even say the way that it played in the Dolby Theater, there were moments that were supposed to get those things and they got... You know, like a smattering of applause. That, that Kevin, you went to Endgame and you went to this. Which one played better see, in its premiere? Theater? That's a completely different. See, I think that's, that's different. A different, that's a different question. Why? I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell Force you why. Awakens, the Force Awakens experience is completely different than Rise of, than Rise of Skywalker. We have been saturated. Like Force Awakens yes. was a movie that we never thought would happen in our lifetime, and like probably. What will end up being maybe the greatest movie going experience of my but life? But I'm asking Endgame, Endgame yeah. versus Rise of Skywalker. I'll give you yeah, that but Endgame. We knew was going to happen. Yeah, I'll give you that answer. Here, here, here's the reality of it. Endgame had a 10-year buildup. It was all concurrent. It was all very succinct. It was 10 years we were building up to. It was 23 films. The going into a ninth film over a 42-year period without your leading stars, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and, and, and uh, Harrison Ford. Yes, Carrie Fisher's in the movie. It's four-year-old archival footage. Harrison Ford's in the film. It's a memory. Luke's in the film, Force Ghost, very brief. Um, it's a different by design. But it, those things happen by design. Well, first of all, the design. Well, no, first of all, all right. Well, there's, not Carrie. Well, there, not Carrie. There's three things you could look at there. Han always wanted to die, or uh, Harrison Ford always sure. wanted to die. So Harrison Ford, famously, right? He was gonna be. He wanted to be killed in Return of the Jedi or whatever it was. And Lucasfilm said, you know, Lucas was like, you know, we need to sell toys. I, I, that's the story I always heard. I'm not sure if that's true or I'm just paraphrasing. Moving on. Uh, that death in seven made perfect sense. The only way I could see Han coming back would be to kill him off. And honestly, the Han death in Force Awakens is one of the greatest Star Wars moments I've ever seen. Not in a happy way, but just an emotional way in a very well done sequence. Luke. It's really well. Luke. That's Ryan's fault, in my personal opinion, uh, what happened with Luke. And I want to ask you guys your opinion on this. Uh, and I do want to say, because I actually love Ryan Johnson, and I, and I, I, I this... We're talking from a very passionate place, all three of us right now. We all love movies, and we sound angry or excited, whatever you want to say. Ryan Johnson's one of my favorite filmmakers working today. I love him as a filmmaker. I love Looper, Knives Out, Brick, Brothers Bloom. Love him. I just didn't love The Last Jedi. I I don't think he should have made a Star Wars movie. That being said, the decisions that were made in that film threw off the trilogy. So J.J. had to course correct. And I wanted to get your opinion on something. There's a moment in this film where Ray is tossing the saber, <clears throat> Luke, gra- Luke grabs it uh, as, the, as a force ghost and says a line, something along the lines of Jake disrespecting the Jedi or whatever he says. Uh, a Jedi's weapon should be treated with more respect. Is that an actual slight at Johnson's movie or is it, does it work double? Does it work as a double moment? I, I feel like that's written to, for, I mean, I feel like it's Luke saying I made a mistake. And he says it later on in the movie. I made a mistake. He did. Yeah. He does. I hate that scene as oh. much as you hate the last. Wow. Oh, yeah, I think that scene's amazing. I love that. Can we also talk about Chewie in the, in the metal? I hate that scene. Can we talk oh, about Chewie? In God. The metal? The Chewie okay. in the metal but he's is a getting, full star he's getting, off. No, me. no, the, that, that was a callback. Something that belongs off. to his Dude, best friend. That, that was, was forty-two years in the making. That was a great. That was a great no, he's moment. He's not getting it because he didn't get one. He's yes, getting it because you know, 
We that's, not like that's it. what it means to us. Han died, in man. In the plot, he's getting it because it belonged to yes. his dead best friend. And it's also a callback to but a great element from the first movie. What's wrong with the payoff? What's uh, and also so wait, wait, Sean? Do you also have a problem with Luke finally raising the X-wing out of the water? I mean, that was a great callback. I mean, this is something that happened in Empire where Yoda had to do it for him. And then you look at this movie. Ah, I just got chills. Me too, man. That, that scene was, so was awesome. What a great moment. See, I, I think it's these callbacks that I think you're having problems with. I, I, well, are you not liking that they're? I didn't mind. I didn't mind. I didn't mind the X-wing uh, callback, and I actually think that's a pretty cool tease because they show it, you know, submerged in Last Jedi. Yeah. So it's cool that he got to. It's a great. That's scene. cool that he got to yeah. lift it up. Um, it, it makes me question the the sheer powers that Force ghosts have we never really seen them do a whole heck of a lot but all of a sudden i guess they can levitate hey, stuff it, it, i hey, guess apparently you know they what? can if, actually if, they can if, if, if leia i guess leia can I, flow through space and jedis guess, can talk to each other from a distance i guess force and ghosts can like, actually catch physical things like if a lightsaber I, I'm being sorry, can, can luke skywalker can project himself across the universe and well, get into a fight i didn't really know that was a thing can a human being go out in space for five minutes and not die and somehow force her way back in through a window and somehow live come on they come on be able to do that. you're being persnickety no they should not be no they should not have been able to do that and luke should not have been able to catch a lightsaber but i didn't hear you say any of this stuff two years ago when last jedi came out oh i'm still telling you that the leia scene is horrible oh, no, i'm but, still but, but, but let I'm, me in, say in, it in again this, one more time so you can hear me the leia scene no that i get in the last but i'm jedi just saying this idea that horrible. like we're, we're making up force rules because but, like why not i will say because i didn't even like really uh ray and ren sort of speaking to each other from a distance in Last Jedi, but because of that, and credit to Ryan Johnson, yeah, I like that. we got what I thought was a really badass yes. lightsaber fight from a distance. Oh my God, that's They're fighting it. each other oh from my two God. different when he, that how, about when, awesome. how about when Kylo grabs the necklace off of her? I, oh. they're, they're, those, oh no, when she drops the lightsaber yeah, in the finale and he catches it. it. Yeah. Oh. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. At the end of the- How about when they kiss because Twitter wanted them Oh, come, see, It's see, the only reason that, why they kiss. That is earned, sir. I Okay, I didn't necessarily think it was a romantic thing. That was just like a it's holy the only shit. reason why Sean, they kiss. Let me ask you a question. They only kiss because Twitter I, wants. I them want to. you to answer me. It's a the question. only reason. You do not know that for a fact. Do you know for a well, fact no, that JJ and Chris Terrio sat well, down and went? Any of this Twitter fact. said this. No, I Let's, don't know that for a fact. Come on, but I'm telling you. No, you, that's, why, a, that's why it happens. It's a guess. Also, okay, all right, but if we're going to really nitpick, let's talk about the really pandering gay kiss that's in it. It's, it's like it goes by like that in a heartbeat. And JJ's saying in interviews that there's going to be representation. Like, representation? It happens oh, in a half a second. Okay, so in other Come movies, on. so in other movies, when, 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 no, when we, this movie, I'm talking about this movie, just this movie. I'm only talking about this movie. I know, but, but don't include it. But other, don't include but it. Other films have now done this. Now you know what it's like when I argue with but Kevin. Sean, other films have done this recently where they've introduced an LGBTQ character. And it hasn't received this yeah. much criticism because it wasn't Star Wars. Because it's Star Wars, everybody's honing in on little things. Well, no one's criticizing that yet. I'm bringing it up the, for the no, first but, time. No, but see, actually, I'm out with Sean. Like, I, I I, think it's great that they did that, but don't pat yourself on the it. back and make a big deal about it. Yeah, or do it if you're going to do it. Go, or go for it and do it. Yeah. No. But don't, but like, way, that's, don't, that's, yeah. That's neither here nor there. That that didn't derail the film for me. I'm just, I'm just going into all the nitpicks right now. Yeah. I do I do firmly believe that the Ray and Kylo kiss. They would never have kissed the way that any of these storylines were developing. It you. would never get to a point. Look at Luke and Leia, man. Luke and Leia kiss. Come on, come on, man. Who cares? Like the kissing. I, I read that less Wars. as a romantic thing and more of like a just exhausted and like 
Holy no, I think crap, they loved each other. I, I, I think. See, I don't, I don't. See, I, I, I didn't read it that the, way. That, I, I, that I didn't read. I think we there was love there. That. I think they. I think. I, I think. To me, that's why it's so tragic. I think Kylo and Ray. If, if JJ told me that he put that kiss in there because it was meant to be romantic and they loved each other, then I would say it was a failed scene because I read it as we're just freaking exhausted and we survived this and like, okay, let's kiss. No, mm. I think I, I, I read that scene as he gave up his life to save her. And they, it was like a Romeo and Juliet type thing, in my opinion. That's the way I felt about it. But but Sean, you read another, it as romance, but just say that. It, but you think that it failed. I truly read it as we're going to include this because the internet wants it. Well, because what did by you that read point, it as, I, as it's, it's intent, like story wise. What, what was its intent? I di- I didn't see any real intent to it up to, to honestly. There's no reason why I would have thought that it that it would have happened at all. Um, they showed no real like. The only thing where. She said, I would have joined you at one point, but I wanted to join Ben Solo, like not Kylo Ren. So she recognizes that he's Ben. And that, I think when she says Ben, you know, to basically acknowledge that he's turned, that should have been it. Like, that should have been great. Like, we did it. You turn your turn back. It's fine. Then they kiss. And I was like, well, that's just because, literally because there's a hashtag for That's your opinion, though. That's your opinion. Sure, that's my opinion. We, we, yes. I mean, this entire episode is No, no, no. My, I'm my, giving my opinion yeah. of that yeah. scene. But to actually yes, say you're right. that it, be, it happened because of that is not actually true. I'm sorry. It is my opinion that those two kiss because the internet wanted God, it to happen. If we have to start every statement with, it is my opinion, these episodes are going to be really It is my opinion. Really and then it, it is also my opinion that the movie was so afraid of how complicated that relationship would be that they just let him fade away. Because she healed the worm. He just fade away. He died. That's what Jedi's do. What? She healed the worm and healed someone else, too, in the movie, I thought, right? Healed him. Without dying. She's healed. able to heal him. But I guess because he's bringing her back from no, the dead. No, he, he transferred his life to her. No, uh, Sean, Sean's referring to when Kylo gets the saber inside of him and she heals yeah. She heals his stomach. Yeah, yeah. she heals But him. that's a, that's a different that's thing a different than scene. at the end. Yeah. I mean, he, way. at the end of the day, um, I love Sean. Did you even see the movie, Sean? <laughs> Sean's one of my Did best friends on the planet. Um, and this is just a healthy argument. Uh, and and and, it and is. none of us, Jake nor myself, are coming at this from a from a place of hatred or or thinking that you're wrong. I just genuinely think eh. that we saw almost two different movies. And but but it is important to note that Jake and I do not like Last Jedi, and Sean does, and that, that and that's a very interesting piece of information that I'm really gathering here. That pe- it, it, that's a really common thread in a lot of these reviews. Can we talk about how great Die Hard is? Go ahead, Jake. All right, one sorry. last thing. As, <laughs> as what I've been telling people is there's that great scene in Empire Strikes Back where Luke's about to go into the cave and Luke asks Yoda, what's in there? And Yoda says, only what you bring with you. And I feel like, especially these past few years, that's what Star Wars is. Like, everyone's bringing their own unique brand of baggage in there. Whether it's a hatred of a, of a particular movie or a love of a particular movie or a want to see this or a need to see that. And I feel like that scene in Empire perfectly sums up the world of Star Wars that we live in today because like whatever is in that theater is what you bring with you. Like if you want X, Y, and Z to happen and A, B, and C happen, you're going to be pissed. And it's not the movie's fault. It's just different than what you thought it was going to be. Fair. And it's different for them what you wanted. Very fair. And, I and can't I wait. I feel like this series more than any other series is there is um, a victim of other people's baggage. I just, I, I this movie... And again, it's it's only the movie's not even out yet as we're as we're recording this. 
And I've just, <laughs> I just cannot believe the level of hatred I'm seeing for it. Um, it's the Rotten Tomato score is at like 56%. We've seen headlines, as you mentioned, worst Star Wars movie ever. I mean, I feel like that goes back to the beginning of this episode when I said we are living in an era where everything has to be the worst or the best or this or that. And we can't be, we can't find middle ground. And this particular movie is so divisive. I'm just, I honestly am genuinely shocked how divisive it is. I, I, like, I, I, like I'm, Sean, would you give it a fresh or a rotten on Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten. I would give it a rotten. I was at like two and a half, two and a half out of five. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'd probably, and that's like right on the line. You yeah. can go one way or the other with that. I'd probably be a little bit closer to a two. The more I thought about it, I'd probably be closer to a two. Wow. Um, but but listen, and again, we're recording this before the movie even opens. I am genuinely curious of how it's going to do at the box office. I really do want to know. And and not just opening weekend, because I'm sure it's going to do great opening weekend. I want to know what that second week's going to be. By the way, you question whether what or not it crosses a billion? I don't think it crosses a billion. Oh, you don't think it, it crosses will, a billion? It's going to do 500 million this weekend. It's, it, it's, it's definitely going to cross a billion. By the way, and let me let's set the record straight here. The box office tracking for this movie was already lower than the entire trilogy before the reviews came out. So I'm sure there's going to be think pieces that the reviews and the negativity surrounding it hurt the box office. Just remember that tracking for this movie was already under the first two films because of what Last Jedi did to the series, uh, in my personal opinion. I mean, what was the box office? Wasn't Force Awakens over $2 billion? Didn't Jedi make not even close to that? And so I, I think Jedi did like 1.3 billion. Right. You so, know, like I, someone, someone was surprised today that I said, oh, you know, I'm kind of glad the Star Wars is going to go away for, for a couple of years. And they're like, oh, I'm surprised to hear you say that. And then the more I thought about it and I thought, it's not that I'm glad Star Wars is going away for a couple of years. I think it's just that I'm glad the Star Wars fans are going away for a couple of years. And I just don't have to like listen. <laughs> to, well, but I'll to say all this. Of their complaining for so I, long. I also have said like, I don't even, I don't want to talk about Star Wars anymore. I'm tired of talking about Star Wars. And then I watched episode seven of The Mandalorian the day after, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is a really Ooh, I haven't fun seen story. It yet. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, I won't say anything. But what I'll say is, right when I get tired of discussing Star Wars, like something cool in Star Wars happens, and I get it. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Okay, right. so I just wanted to really quick look up. Force Awakens did two billion. Yeah. Last Jedi, 1.3 billion. Okay. I'm sticking to the fact that, that that this one's not going over a billion. Sean, sticking to we, it. We we've 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 had a very argumentative discussion here. Um, I'm I, I want, but each, I love you guys. I love you guys too. But I I, I I want each of us to end on just a thread of our thoughts of the movie. So, Ooh. Sean, if you were on TV and you had one or two minutes or so to give a review of the film, what would you say? Yes. I would say that um, the film is a disappointment for this reason. It tries too hard to put a tidy bow on too many storylines that unfortunately were affected by a lack of planning overall uh, in a trilogy. Um, so it didn't give me any sort of resounding uh, successful closure to a story that I cared about from, from 1977 on. Um, and it also sort of shortchanged the newer characters because it never really knew what type of story it wanted to tell. That's my that's my closing thought on the Rise of Skywalker. And then your rating would be like a two or a two and a half out of five is where you're kind of leaning two towards. Two and a half. I'll go two and a half out of five. The performances, I think the performances are really great. I think it's action packed and it has some of the some of the most memorable Star Wars uh action that we've seen on screen in a while. But it lacked to me the fun and um 
and complete imaginative energy that JJ brought to the Force Awakens. Uh, it, it, to me, it, it, it didn't have that. And if you go back to earlier episodes of our show, um, you'll hear me saying a lot that once Last Jedi came out, I had no desire to continue with another episode. Um, and yeah. when Jedi hit and the things they did with the characters in Jedi, you'll hear it all over these episodes. I had I didn't care about episode nine. I didn't care where the story was going. And then once J.J. got attached, that's what made me care because I love what J.J. did with Seven. So I kind of went in in a weird way where I just wanted to enjoy a Star Wars movie, but I was concerned how they were going to fix, quote unquote, fix things that happened in, in, in episode eight. So I think my perception is pleasantly surprised. I was very, very happy with the way J.J. course corrected things. I, I think the you know what? The ultimate thing is, and this is, I've said this a thousand times, every time I watch Last Jedi, I think the movie knows that I'm watching it. When I watched Rise of Skywalker, that feeling that I had of Jedi went away. J.J. pulled me into his world, and I had no thoughts in my mind that those characters knew that I was watching them. I thought they were living in their world. And that's, I can't say the same about Last Jedi. So to me, it felt nice to dive back into Star Wars where Star Wars didn't know it was Star Wars. And I think that the action in this film is amazing. It is overly convoluted. It could have used 20 minutes more. There's some bad dialogue. Yes, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but at the end of the day, I heavily enjoyed it and I'm recommending it for sure. Jake? Jakey, close us out. Uh, Just really quick. I mean, a lot of people are complaining that the movie is at fault for giving fans what they want. I say that it gave me exactly what I want, and that's why I love it. it. It let me spend... Just a little bit more time yep. with a lot of people that I love before saying goodbye and going out on what I thought was a really strong note. I thought it was dark. I thought it was scary. I thought it was fun. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was funny. I'd say it was maybe the most I've laughed out loud in a Star Wars movie. It was funny. And uh, I, I felt like I got one last chance to say goodbye to a group of characters that I love and uh, walked away feeling like I had a. I was reminded of why I love them. All right, folks, let us know what you think about Star Wars, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. You've heard our opinions now. We want to hear from you guys. Send us emails, log on to social. Uh, We will continue to track how this movie does, both at the box office and critically, and we'll continue to keep talking about it as we go through. Okay, let's quickly get through the blend game uh, with a choice that Gabe saddled us with and then ran off. (laughs) Judy Dench blend. Who's got a riveting hot take on Dame Judy Dench? I'm told... I get to go first. Uh, I picked Shakespeare in Love. It's the movie that wins her her Oscar. Uh, It's a movie that's largely not about her, and yet she casts her shadow over the entire thing. Um, It's she plays the queen, obviously, in it, and uh, everybody's putting together a show. She gets one of those moments where she gets to show up. I believe it's six and a half minutes or seven minutes of screen time total, and it reminds you of when somebody has such gravitas and screen presence that they can walk in and essentially steal a movie away from from really charismatic leads like Gwyneth Paltrow in her absolute movie star prime uh, coming off of things like The Talented Mr. Ripley and, of course, Shakespeare in Love. Uh, ben Affleck, who is in his uh, charming rogue state. And um, who's the main guy in, in uh, Shakespeare Joseph in Fiennes? Love? Joseph Fiennes. That's right. That's him. Uh, where did his career go to, unfortunately? Uh, and James his brother Andrew has Dench, it. rolled in, stole that movie away from them, and then won her Oscar. So when Gabe presented hashtag Judy Dench blend, 
in honor of the Cats movie, uh, I went right to Shakespeare in Love. Jake, you have a pick. Uh, you know, here's the deal. I, I I like Judy Dench. I think she's a phenomenal Seems actress. like a really nice lady. I, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Judy Dench fan, as it were. Right. So yes. I, I, I'm a little um, lifeless in this pick, which is sure. why I uh, went with Skyfall. So did I. It's the movie that she's in that I like the most. There you um, go. But also she actually, and, and, it's, and it's not just, oh, she's in it, I like it. She, her death plays a massive part in the film. So, yes. so, so her role is in it. And she, she's always great in, in the Bond <laughs> movies. Sure, um, and she's always sort of a great foil, but in this one, her, her the actions of her character have consequence. Um, so uh, you know, I, I normally sometimes I criticize Kevin for his picks, saying, "Well, it's not really that person's movie; they just happen to be in it." Um, that's what I'm doing for this week. Don't care, and because uh, that's the movie <laughs> that Judy Dench is in and that I like the most, and uh, couldn't bring myself to pick Shakespeare in Love because it beat Saving Private Ryan at the box office or at uh, Best Picture. Everything Jake just said, I completely agree with. Um, No, uh, in regards to uh, why I chose Skyfall, it's because, in my opinion, that's the time that this character, that Judy Dench is playing, Dame Judy Dench. I can't say that three times fast. Um, That's (laughs) when the character really kind of had an arc for me. Um, That that movie gave that character an emotional arc. And I I wouldn't call myself a, a a gigantic James Bond fan. I'm a casual fan. I love Skyfall. I love my first James Bond experience was Goldeneye. So I didn't experience the Connery era or, you know, she's good in that too. Yeah. She's great in that. Um, I, I just yeah. think genuinely seeing Bond and M in that vulnerable state towards the end of Skyfall was something that just fascinated me because I always thought of these characters as larger than life and the way Mendez brought us back to the history of Bond, right? And and, and that storyline, tying in the emotional connection he's had to Dench's character, the Bond character's had to Dench, that's what I loved about that performance. It's funny because I never thought of myself, thinking to myself, oh, what's my favorite Judy Dench film? But you do <laughs> you do have to actually think about the weight she brings to that, that movie. Um, you know, yeah. a James Bond film is a James Bond movie where James Bond's gonna be the star of the film. But that movie is significantly an M film as well, if you think about it. I mean, that entirety of that third act, um, I do think she was a very important piece to that puzzle and the emotional arc that his character goes on. Um, so I would actually say that I think that's my favorite movie she's been in, not only because it's my favorite movie that that on her filmography. I just think that's I, I love that she gave that character more of an emotional arc. I'm not saying that hasn't happened in previous Bond films. I just felt it more in this one. I gotcha. All right. So uh, we're recording this episode early for the holidays, so we have no audience picks right now. Um, If you haven't sent your pick in yet, go to social uh, and also prepare for this next blend game, which we are going to be recording during episode number 100, which means that we are up to hashtag 2010 blend. Um, It's the the best film or our favorite film of the most recent decade. And I will tell everybody at home, you can play along on social through all the different ways that you share uh, using hashtag, I think there's an S in it. Yeah, 2010s blend. So hashtag 2010s blend. Uh, you can let us know your picks via email at realblend at cinemablend.com. However, if you are coming to the meetup in DC, uh, have your pick ready because we will have a way to pick people out of the audience 
and y'all are going to come up and participate in the show. So be ready. Uh, hashtag 2010s blend. We end our episodes with a review and we have one this week from Kev's mom. <laughs> Kev, your mom is such a She's nice really going to get out more. Scott, yeah. I'm telling Thanks, you. Thanks, mom. She writes, uh, outstanding, insightful, and most of all, great. Uh, Sean, Kevin, like Jake, and imagine. An imaginary Gabe are brilliant. Uh, in a medium that is always full and competitive, the hosts of Real Blend always find ways to bring the listeners into the conversations without them really having, uh, without them really being there. They do this by giving their thoughtful opinions, argumentative takes, which are always enjoyable, and straight up passion for what cinema is. Whether you're listening to the first episode and have to raise the volume to even hear Sean due to the bad audio from those uh, earlier days. Or the latest episodes, I always find a way to listen and take something back with me when the episode ends. I truly believe that this show can continue to grow and be something far more special than it already is due to the talent behind it. This is really sweet. Lastly, I want to say that I've just finished off a small feature film that I plan on sending out to festivals and was wondering if it was okay to give Jake, Kevin, and Sean each a thank you credit during the end credits of the film due to the profound, growing excitement that they have given me towards cinema through this podcast. Well, listen, I'm going to speak for myself. You can thank me for anything you want. H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N. <laughs> That's how you spell Hamilton. Amazing review. Sean, was there really okay. Was there anything in the review about um, about Abrams's favorite Bond movie? Oh my God, guys, we have to go. You guys didn't hear about this? Oh, the rise of Skyfall Walker. <laughs> That's actually a really good. I didn't even think about. It. I was gonna do a die another. I feel like Sean lately has been coming up yeah, with better answers for Kevin's question, and then his actual answers don't live up to it. I haven't even given my answer yet. I was gonna do die another J. Die another JJ Abrams. That's what I was gonna do. Yeah, uh, Skyfall. Jesus. Skyfall Walker is pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There's more to this review. Thanks and Dunkirk cheese pizza. I can't think of any more puns that Kevin usually uses, but thanks. They say. So there you go. Kevin is through. We, we have we have a very unique situation in this in this podcast and that we often talk about people and in some cases make fun of people on this podcast and then see them in person later and we were on the red carpet for rise of skywalker and favreau was like five yards from us and kevin goes hey look it's cheese pizza i was like kevin shut the fuck up dude first of all i didn't say it loudly at all and it made no context we gotta tell our aj aj from backstreet boys story at some point Oh, my God. That was the greatest thing ever. Okay. anyway, more for another day. Uh, Thank you, everybody, so much for the reviews. Keep them coming. We will read them at the end of each episode. As you guys know, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell. You can follow the whole show at at Real Blend. Uh, Leave us a review. Send us a review via email and um, we'll make sure to get them included. on this. I think I just said that. Didn't I already say that? Yeah. After 98 episodes, you would think I would know how to conclude one of these things. So we'll be back uh, with our top 10 lists of 2019 on our next episode and then that is going to lead us right into our 100th episode which we're going to do with an audience in washington dc until then blenders 1917 dunkirk <laughs> i just want to leave it with jake yelling <laughs> this is the story of the one As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.